The presenting sponsor for On Education is Schoology. Schoology is not only the best learning management system, it's also a community of lifelong learners. There's so many things to love about Schoology, but my favorite is the company's passion to connect with their teachers and students to deliver the best product possible. If you want to learn more about Schoology and how they can help you advance what's possible, visit Schoology.com. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about our good friend, Betsy DeVos. <laughs> Welcome to On Education. I'm Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We will discuss Betsy DeVos and the Koch brothers' evil plan for education, the rise of esports at high schools and universities, and we will speak with the co-founder of Aludo about why your professional development currently sucks. <laughs> you, you've said evil plan twice now, and every time I still I think of like Dr. Evil and his hands together and tapping yes, his fingers together. the evil plan. It's putting like, his pinky up to his mouth. It's like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. That's funny. Uh, first week back, how'd your week go? Oh, it went amazing. Um, we had Labor Day off. Do you, you guys have that too? Yeah, or yeah. No? Okay. Yes, we, our first Just, day was Tuesday. Just making sure. <laughs> I didn't know yeah. if it was a it was a, a U.S. thing. Uh, yep. So we started on Tuesday with students, and it was an amazing uh, start again to the school year. I have a completely different position, so it was the first mm-hmm. time I've ever started in a new job, not as a Spanish teacher. So not that was a very interesting, and uh, I thought uh, high energy and a lot of things that needed to get done right at the beginning of the year to get us started with our one to one. Uh, at the high school, but it went awesome. Fantastic colleagues and coworkers, paraprofessionals. Uh, love, love my coworkers. Nice, awesome. And you? It's second week now. Uh no, no. Well, I I've, I've been back for three weeks, yes. um, but we had no students for the first two. Okay. Uh, it was fine. It was good. It was about what I expected. We we did have. A, I think I shared the video with you uh on iMessage of our our pep rally video yes uh for with uh, the the our, our 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 student body is divided into houses and you get house points for you know behavior and whatever i think that's like harry normal. potter sorry like harry potter kind of like harry potter <laughs> okay and and our our house that i'm in is is called sphinx okay. uh so that's why we did uh we we did a carpool karaoke to um uh, s club sevens hit classic hit song uh s club party okay uh, it was pretty fun i yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get everyone's permission to let me put it up on youtube pro well it's on youtube now but it's in a secret link yeah um but i'm 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 kind of itching to share it out so it's yes. pretty rad it, really, it, i thought really it was funny. pretty funny yeah it's totally funny a really good way to get kids to get fired up about the school year yeah they loved it so so that was fun i and and you know the the classes all kind of went the way they normally go, so everything was good. Good. Um, yeah, uh, we have some small things to talk about, I guess. Um, I guess the first one I wanted to mention, or we should mention, is this. We've we've kind of hinted that we were starting this before this kind of gaming community, yeah. And it, it's kind of went through a couple kind of iterations and and back and forths, but. Um, You've may notice that I've been tweeting and Glenn's been retweeting and, and tweeting about uh, something called Tribe Gaming and the Tribe Cast. So you guys should totally follow um, at Tribe Gaming One. I think is the Twitter account. 
just take a look the next time you're on Twitter at, at something I've tweeted. I think it's on my pinned tweet at the moment. Um, but but follow that Twitter account. And um, if you're into watching kind of gameplay on 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 Twitch and stuff like that, um, you know, watch watch some of us. It's it's kind of fun. Um, we've played uh, some Diablo. We've played some, we played Civilization Five last night. Yes. Um, and it's fun just kind of having a, a good time with other educators. Uh, but we always inevitably slip into serious education discussions. Like, I mean, I don't know how you can not slip into a serious education discussion when you're playing Civilization Five with Paul DeVarsi and Steve <laughs> Isaacs. Uh, yes. It just kind of happens. It's, you know, so it did. And it was great. And it was fun having that conversation. So, um you know, we, we would love this to be a thing. So uh, hoping that people will uh, will follow us and, and, people and engage can join in, in the conversations too, right? and stuff like that. Yeah, can, and even it, play it, with us. Yeah, yeah if totally. you're interested in playing or uh, actually a lot of times I think it'd be interesting for people like, you know, for example, Civilization. They might hear their kids talk about it, but it'd be interesting for them to join in, in a conversation like you guys were having last night that these educators are playing this game while having a conversation about how either this game or other games can be relevant and uh, powerful in, ed- in the educational setting. Totally. totally. Yes. Um, what else are we doing? We're going to FETC. Yeah. Florida. Or Orlando. <laughs> I've never been to Florida. It's beautiful. Actually. I've only been there once, and it was for FETC last year. <laughs> and so, it was amazing. So we're going to FETC. Uh, we're really excited. Um, we're going to do uh, probably not as many podcasts as we did for ISTE because that almost killed us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think we'll probably try to do at least two. Oh, yeah. Um, we maybe two. While, we're, while we're there, at least yeah. two. Um, uh, neither of us are speaking. You're not speaking at FETC, no. right? Nope, I didn't put it in an application. I so should have. neither of us are speaking. <laughs> so we're just going to be there kind of hanging out having fun talking to a lot of people um so so hopefully if if you're going to fetc we'll see you there it's yes. gonna be great maybe we can do a meetup if anyone wants to do that kind of send us a at us at us on twitter yes and let us know if you want to hang out somewhere we'll find some microbrewery craft brewery thing to go to or some restaurant and we'll go yeah. and chill because that's the world be- that would be Disney World. We could have a party at Disney World. An on-education meetup at Disney World would be kind of amazing. Live from Disney World. Right. Right. That's awesome. Uh, what's going on on Twitter? Uh, well, just recently, I mean, there's all kinds of things all the time, but recently I, I keep seeing this uh, discussion that's happening on whether Google Classroom is a viable option versus Schoology. And we've had this conversation before. And if you're an educator that currently uses Google Classroom, I just wanted to put it out there that there's this other option called Schoology, and it's a million times better. (laughs) (laughs) Because, and I mean, really the reason why I'm saying that is because it's, we, uh, the Schoology platform has Google uh, Drive and Docs and all those things integrated within the system Right. And it just gives you that much more of a robust uh, learning management system. I think you called, what did you call Google Classroom? LMS? LMS Lite? Lite, yes. So it's like a light version of LMS. 
Uh, a lot of people had a, all kinds of different comments about the both of them and, uh, you know, ad, uh, disadvantages specifically to Google Classroom. And one of the things that I was thinking about, Mike, is uh, how easily Schoology can be shared uh, with your parents to make your, your classroom and the content you're, you're teaching and even the messages that you're sending out to your class very transparent. Totally. And I think that that's the uh, huge difference right there is that when you're opening up to your parents and they can view in uh, to what their students are doing, to what their kids are doing, and then also kind of what's happening within your class. I think that's a great thing for as a teacher, um, but it's also great for the parents. So they really can help their kids to be successful. And that's just what was my biggest thought. My biggest takeaway was that nobody had mentioned that when we were talking about that on Twitter. But I was like, well, what about parents? We want to make sure that they're included in this uh, formula. Whenever you're using anything at school, uh, as far as a learning management system, you want to make sure that they have the ability to be to be a, a part of the process. There, there's no comparison when you when you look at if you were to build my for example, my digital citizenship unit that I'm I'm just about to start. Yeah. If you were to visualize that in Google Classroom, How would there's no way that you would get be able to see just by looking at it kind of how it flows and the content and where things are and and how everything works. But in Schoology, because of the way you can lay out a a folder or a class or a, a unit or whatever, I mean, you can take a look at my digital citizenship unit and at a glance, you can see exactly which weeks, which days I'm going to be doing what yes. and and where everything flows to uh, um, from like a top down perspective. Uh, it, there's there's really no comparison. So, um, you know, and, and I, I try to remind as many people as I possibly can that Schoology has a free version. Yeah, totally. And it has almost all of the same features that the enterprise version has. I, I used the free version for two years before my school bought into the the enterprise version. And I, I, it's honestly, like you just said, it's the same thing, except that at a district level, the enterprise version, especially, you know, like a district that I'm working at, gives you a lot of advantages to be able right. to go ahead and populate courses to make sure you kind of have a like you just said, a macro level uh, ability to be able to go ahead and, uh, you know, control information or put people in specific things, even do professional development, you know, at a district level. So it kind of gives you like a, an ability to be able to brand it to your specific district. So it's it, that is nice, all of those things. But if you're just wanting to just do a comparison, just log in, go to schoology.com, just Create an account, a free one, and just check it out and watch some of our videos or how to how to get started. And and uh, I think you'll see that it's it's uh, far, vastly superior. What um what iPhone do you have? So that's a good uh, story. I I had the iPhone six. I want to say iPhone six okay. S, but I'm uh, not very smart, and I bought one of these Mophie cases. You know where the story is headed. I think you knew this already, maybe. But I had one of these Mophie cases, and it has a battery pack in it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I always left the Mophie pack on, on green, 
<laughs> to keep my phone 100% charged. Oh, and if it they, blew your, it, it <laughs> like drained your battery. If like anybody your battery there, over yes, a year or so. Don't do that. Yeah, uh, no. what it, it actually expanded my battery, right? And then it pushes your screen up and out, you know? Sweet. Good job. <laughs> so now I have a little uh, uh, generic, uh, the SE version. You know what I mean? I went and bought one real quick on Amazon. I think they're okay, like 100 yeah. and. 70 bucks or something like that and so then that's i carry a little mini phone right now but it's fine I, oh, i'm wow. happy with it yeah what about you i have an iphone 7 so okay. i think i'm i think i'm just about ready for the upgrade yeah so wednesday's the apple event and uh we're gonna be i i, I watch them with my class I, i've been doing it for a few years now yeah um you know i think i've mentioned this before where where i'll just kind of put it on on the screen and they'll be kind of doing their work, doing whatever they're doing. And I'll have it on as kind of background and the kids will, you know, look up at the older kids in particular. They'll they'll be doing whatever they're doing and they'll just look up and go, huh, that's cool. And then they'll go back to work kind of thing. But having it on uh, in the background is kind of fun for them. They like to see what's new and I like showing them what's new. So uh, but I think that my wife and I are both in the market for for new phones, and I think I'm finally going to get a uh, plus, whatever the big, the version bigger version. Of, yeah, yeah. I think I want a big a big phone next time. So, <laughs> so I'm excited. So yeah. that's that. Yeah, we'll uh, make sure we report on it. Huh? Yeah, yeah. No, totally. We'll we'll talk about it next week. We'll talk okay. about what uh, what Apple's uh, got up their sleeves. I think there's going to be new phones and uh, probably new uh, watches. Uh, and and possibly even new uh, devices, other devices, maybe a new iPad. So we'll see. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about our good friend Betsy DeVos. On Education is brought to you by Teacher Gaming. Teacher Gaming Desk is an all-in-one toolkit for any teacher looking to use more games in their classroom. And Teacher Gaming just launched a dedicated Chromebook subscription bundle with 20 awesome games. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's only $99 per class per year. So you've got your whole class, you've got 20 different games that can be played on a Chromebook. How great is that? If you want to learn more about teacher gaming, simply go to teachergaming.com to get started. All right, welcome back to the pod. On Friday, The Guardian published a pretty uh, crazy eye-opening piece about how uh, our, our best friend, the U.S. Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos, and the, the Koch brothers, uh, through their, you know, whatever you want to call them, PACs, mm-hmm. uh, are using Arizona as their kind of test bed uh, to stake their claim on vouchers. Uh, there's so many things in here. I just kept pulling quotes nonstop. But, but here's, here's one for you, Glenn. Uh, okay. Arizona's lawmakers have ignored the public and will instead heed the wishes of billionaires seeking to build up private schools at the expense of public schools. I, I've been thinking about this a lot, and I guess maybe you would probably have more, I, I mean, no, more knowledge about this than I do. But I'm, I'm, I am curious, I guess, do, do we know for sure that when money goes into vouchers that it leaves public school systems do we do we know that for sure um well basically what it does yeah the answer is yes (laughs) we do know that for sure because what you're doing is the pie doesn't grow any bigger if you want to think about whatever the amount of money that we're funding schools with is now going to be divided into more pieces 
in order to bring in your the the private schools uh, so you now have you're still dealing with the exact same amount of money but now you're distributing it even further and so you're you're distributing it with the idea that uh, it's school choice you know like now now it's opening it up and now students have the ability to be able to join these private schools except that's a false narrative because yeah. if you look at the price of these private schools that voucher will no, nowhere near get you the amount needed for that tuition so that's that's where this is like there's a there's a disconnect even though it may sound like something positive it's actually a very negative a uh, thing for anybody that chooses to go then to a public school, which will have less money now, uh, and and so that's your, the answer to your question is yes, the public schools will suffer. So, I mean, when we're talking like seven thousand six hundred and thirteen dollars, that is the um, amount of money uh, Arizona spends basically per student, um, and that is going down. It's going down like crazy uh 24% it's redu- been reduced since 2008 to 2015 um it, it, and that's the third lowest per student funding in the United States that's so when you say that pie you know isn't getting any bigger mm-hmm. uh i mean and and when you then divert money from that pie to i mean do, can Arizona really afford to be pulling more funding and diverting it into for-profit private schools at this they, point? Yeah, they can't, but they will do it on behalf of the people that it benefits. So if you imagine you're already sending your kid to a private school, well, it'd be great to have another $7,000, which it'll be less than that, but it, to be able to put towards that tuition, uh, if that makes any sense. But it doesn't mean that any other student that was not attending that place is now going to be able to attend uh, that uh, you know private school, so it really doesn't do anything except benefit those again, which we mm-hmm. uh, tend to do with these Koch brothers and Betsy DeVos and anybody else related to this administration. You're benefiting already the people who have all the advantages, <laughs> which is all of these people that are very wealthy. I I hate the cognitive dissonance of this. I I hate that. I mean, the reality is, is that most of this private school voucher money is going to religious schools, um, Christian, Christian schools in particular, uh, that don't want to teach, you know, the public school curriculum. They want to teach things like, um, um, creationism, you know, uh, creation, <laughs> yeah. right. And, 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 you know, that kind of stuff. And, and they, I just find it amazing because if we were diverting money from the government uh, to uh, a Muslim school, for example, yes. people would lose their frigging minds. Oh, yeah. Like heads would fly clear off their bodies. People would be so angry. <laughs> Am I right? Right? Yeah. I mean, it would no, just I... be insane. They would well, be like, are they, teaching, are they teaching these kids Sharia law? Yeah, well, it's it's the the thing is is that's the reason why we sh- we have a separation between church and state. I mean, this is kind of a backwards way of getting around that. You know what I mean? It's kind of a backdoor. Yeah. It doesn't state that in the policy, but that's what ends up happening. There is now you have a true mixture of state monies being diverted into private schools, specifically ones that in this case could be religious. I mean, overwhelmingly they are. 
Yes. And, and and let's be honest, the other the other ones are, are are private schools that I mean, well, for example, all of these are almost always well, they're profit centers, right? They're places that are making money. Yes. And and so now you have a a, a financial equation in education and you know, there are just some things that shouldn't be in private hands. Yes. And education is is one of them. So the law that this is all falling under is this proposition 305 okay. or at least that's the the law being put on the oh, ballot to repeal okay. so to to repeal the law um for for vouchers in arizona it's proposition 305 it's on the ballot in november and and i guess we're hoping when we talk about stuff like this is that if you're in arizona or whatever that that you you know get involved in this discussion and be aware of what's going on these down ballot races these down ballot elections are important and these down ballot propositions are important and you know the 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 Jeff Flake replacement race you know might be the premier event in Arizona in terms of the November elections but um these these initiatives in these lower level elections underneath senate and governor and stuff like that are how the GOP has slowly chipped away at the U.S. education system by, you know, appointing or electing people to school board positions and all of this other nonsense. And your votes matter. So Absolutely. Um, we need we need people to get their butts out there and, and, and vote and be aware of what's going on with this stuff. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah the votes really do count, and it's, it's an important... Uh, just even to get educated about it, what is it that they're actually wanting to do, and and much more than what maybe the commercials that are out there that are telling you what they're going to do, right, right. Like, and I mean, what's the solution? I guess, like, like there are ideas out there, aren't there, for what a yeah, better I mean, way to I, do this would be. I mean, if you really wanted to do a voucher system, which they don't. I mean, I'll tell you right now, they don't, because if you really do a voucher system, that means you would have open enrollment. For anybody anywhere and that all private schools would have a lottery system for their entrance so in other words if you had a true voucher system uh private school a that is an amazing place and whatever might be any student could put in a uh an ability to be able to apply for that and then have an equal chance to get in than anybody else it doesn't matter of their race their socioeconomic status or even where they live if you really wanted to do that. But the whole problem with that is that they don't want that. <laughs> no, no, of course not. <laughs> they don't want to leave it open to anybody. And this they is about segregation and, and wealth inequality. It's totally about wealth inequality. So what you're talking about is, again, uh, the people that are rich have the best schools in yeah. this case and it continued then to fund more money towards those best schools, you know, that uh, uh, already are... are are charging tuition and those kinds of things. And then now the schools that didn't have that much to begin with, like you just said, they have $7,600, third lowest in the country as far as per student of what they're getting. Um, and now you're saying, ah, we're going to have to pull a little bit more away from that to make sure that these, that these private schools get their share too. So it's, it's, it's a messed up, uh, it's, it's basically a lie. It's not, it's, they don't really want what they're saying. They want kind of this little backwards way of basically uh, funding private schools. It sounds great, man. This is, 
Everything is so good right now. Uh anyways. Um, yeah, don't, <laughs> don't, I can't even contain myself. Don't bury your heads in the sand, people. Go, go out and vote. Make sure you vote. Please vote. Vote. I don't know how many more times I can say it. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about an article that uh, that I wrote with uh, our good friend Steve Isaacs about esports. On Education is brought to you by Audible. So I got to tell you about this book. So I'm reading a book called You Can't Spell America Without Me. It's written by Alec Baldwin, um, and it's and it's in Trump's vernacular, like it's in his voice. Like it's written, it's like as if it was written by Donald Trump. And so I'm reading it and I'm thinking uh, every time I'm reading it, I, I, I'm hearing Donald Trump's voice reading it to me. So I looked up on Audible if it was there and I'm telling you it's there. So this is Alec Baldwin in the voice of Donald Trump reading the book, You Can't Spell America Without Me. You've got to listen to this. It is an absolute nightmare of a book. It's hysterical. So all that you guys have to do to listen to You Can't Spell America Without Me is go to audibletrial.com slash oneducation. That's audibletrial.com slash oneducation. And you will get a free audiobook download, which you should totally use for You Can't Spell America Without Me by Alec Baldwin, read to you by Alec Baldwin in the voice of Donald Trump. There's nothing better. So go do that, like, right now. All right, welcome back to the podcast. So um, if you go to Ed Surge, uh, the website Ed Surge, it's a pretty cool uh, news kind of information, educational information website, you'll see an article there. Uh, Gaming is not just uh, for kids, what educators need to know about esports written by uh, myself and by Steve Isaacs, who's been on nice. the podcast. Um, and and we we wanted to write, uh, we were asked to write about uh, esports um, because the international, the Dota 2 tournament was on in Vancouver. Uh, and that was kind of the, the, the thing that got them thinking about it. But we we took this opportunity to really, you know, let teachers know about you know, just the basics of esports because so many people don't, right? They don't even know what it is. Yeah, right. So we wanted to kind of let them know that it's a real deal, that it's a a, a thing, um, that their kids are constantly playing these games, and they should at least you know have some sort of awareness of of what these games are and how big this scene really is, it's and huge. that this is the future, right? Big time future. Yes, I mean it's it's corporately sponsored now. I mean, you right. can, you can get, like you talked about in a previous episode is you could get sponsored to do this. Yeah. And I mean, it's not small amounts of money either. No. And, and even like we, we talk about how Twitch, the, the main platform for um, streaming video games, like the Netflix of game video watching, basically, uh, was sold to Amazon for just under a billion dollars. Like so like so much money. Yes. That it's like it's a legit business, and and you you were starting to get um, scholarships uh, to 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 U.S. universities uh, where they are forming um, esports teams for for different games, uh, and then competing. Like there is, I guarantee you, in the next five years, there will be an NCAA. I don't know what game it'll be. It could be Overwatch. I I guarantee Uh, you, it will be televised. It will be. Highly sponsored rated. by Doritos. Sponsored by 
uh, Diet Mountain Dew. <laughs> Diet Mountain Dew and Doritos. Which I'm right all now. you need. <laughs> Diet Mountain Dew, Doritos, and Mars Bar but what's, are the what, premier sponsors for the N double <laughs> the uh, NCAA <laughs> Overwatch tournament? Overwatch Championships? Yeah, it's yeah. totally gonna happen. Like, I have no it's doubt. One hundred percent soon. Yeah. So, so yeah, you wrote here too, Mike, that it's basically as you say, it's not just for kids. So, what do you mean by that? I know we talked about the tribe gaming type of thing. You want parents to kind of to to delve into this, to to really take a look at what's happening. That these games aren't all uh, what maybe they think they are. Do you know what I mean? Right, and and it's not just for parents. It's it's also for teachers. Like like we should know what our kids are doing. And if you don't, then you're not you're, you're just not doing it right. You need to know what your kids are doing. And if your kid, I'm not saying that you need to be like this regular Fortnite player, but you should know the nature of Fortnite. You should know that it's an online game. You should know that you can communicate in some ways with people in online games and then you should know whether your child is playing a game that does that these are this is just like basic knowledge that you should have about your child's interactions online and these are the games they want to play and so i mean just being aware and as a teacher we spend a lot of time talking about how they you almost have a in my opinion anyways you have a duty a responsibility to have a sense of your class and your students and yes, who they are and absolutely. what they're into. And and it helps you build up a relationship with your kids. And so if they're playing Fortnite, you should be able to at least hold a minor conversation about Fortnite with your students. You really should. And you should know what Minecraft is and maybe a little bit about how to play it. And you should know... Um, you know, when someone says I, I main diva and sometimes I play Reaper, I mean, that shouldn't be hard things for you to kind of know what they're saying. And you can engage in such interesting conversations with your students if you just have a basic knowledge Absolutely. of these games that they're playing. And you could connect things that you're doing in class to specific things that are happening in these worlds, in these digital worlds. And that's the that's the biggest leverage point too. You don't need, like you just said, you don't even need to know how to play it. Mm-hmm. You can go on there. I think in your article, you guys mentioned uh, the Twitch uh, sensation. His name is Ninja. And I think yeah. he's, he's probably like in his early 20s and he's a millionaire. And all he does is play this, this Fortnite game. I mean, he's played other games too, but he's famous for this Fortnite game. Yeah. You can go onto a video on YouTube and just look him up and see what's the big deal here. Like what is the attraction and, and why are kids playing this game and why are they watching specifically ninja and and i mean even if you if you don't want to go watch ninja i i get it i mean he's a kid um and that's that's actually kind of why we started the tribe gaming thing and the the tribe cast so so uh myself and and glenn and steve isaacs and a couple other people paul lavarzi was was streaming with us the other night we're we're playing some of these games uh, we played Civilization Five just last night. I guess this would have been Saturday uh, when we were recording. Um, and we've played League of Legends. We've played um, uh, Diablo Two. No, sorry, Diablo Three. Uh, I mean, we've we're playing some of these games and we're talking about these games. Yes. And so, if you want to, I don't know what word to use, a safe place to kind of come and ask questions about games without 
feeling like you're you're you know not belonging or at the get very least or whatever yeah at the very least come and join us watch what we're playing and talk with us we have a chat there's a chat in the in the twitch stream where you can ask questions we'll see the chat on the on the screen and then we can answer your questions and talk about them and that's kind of the whole point of this we really want this community to be engaging um with teachers who feel like they need to step their game up for lack of better words pardon the pun i guess um but really have a better knowledge of what their kids are actually doing because if you can if you can the 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 closer we can make the gap between a, a child's experience at home and a child's experience at school if we can make those things closer together we're going to solve education in a lot of different ways. So so I hope that this helps at least a little. Yeah. And I hope our article helps at least a little. And we're going to make sure we link it right in the show notes? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. Totally. So Perfect. so uh, we'll, we'll link the article in the show notes and we'll link the um, Twitch channel in the show notes and the, uh, the Twitter uh, handle for you. So that you can uh, follow along and engage in conversation with us, because that's what that's what we're here for. Um, yeah, totally. So when we uh, come back, we're going to talk to Damon Torgerson from Aludo Learning about why your professional development sucks. All right, welcome back to the pod, everyone. Uh, we are thrilled to have Damon Torgerson with us. He is the co-founder of Aludo. Um, Aludo and Damon have written us a blog post. It's amazing. Um, it, it's amazing. Uh, fantastic. It'll be up uh, when you're listening to this. You can also then head to the website on educationpodcast.com and uh, read all about what we are going to be talking about. It is a fabulous read and, and I highly uh, recommend uh, you doing that. Welcome to the uh, show, Damon. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Great to great to be here. Uh, first, I guess, tell us a little bit about yourself and about Aludo and what you guys do. Well, the basics about me, um, we're based out of Seattle. Uh, I'm originally from Canada, but I've been in Seattle for the last 20 years or so. Um, computer science degree. I have a MBA from York University over in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we started our company that worked in education uh, in 2010 called Alpenspruce and we started off kind of my co-founder and I, uh, Chris, come back from uh, enterprise IT and we started with kind of systems integration work with with most of our school districts. Uh, interestingly enough, they're all there at the time they were all in California. Um, and then in 2014 we started uh, building Aludo uh, in support of a one-to-one rollout for a school district in California, Palm Springs Unified. And uh, it kind of started from there. Um, they presented Aludo at Q in 2015, and uh, we started getting phone calls in the fall of 2015 about about Aludo and about bringing it to other districts, and that's kind of where, where it started. That's awesome. Nice. Uh, I, I think it's safe to say that um, I, I I can tell you for me personally, like I read this whole blog post and was nodding and sometimes yelling at the monitor the whole time <laughs> I was reading it. Um, it. I think it's safe to say that us, along with most of our listeners, have had to 
suffer through terrible PD, uh, either in single kind of terrible training. Actually, we talked about this last podcast, too, uh, or whole like initiatives. So, you know, why does PD generally suck? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A little loaded there, but yeah, it's I mean, it's training in general. Uh, I I come from I come originally from the corporate world and and there's a lot of training. I think training in general, learning in general is is from the perspective of of training or PD is is really challenging. And I think it's challenging for a few reasons. there's there's the a build it and they will come approach. So people that are really really excited about a particular tech, often technology, but any initiative, and they want to get it out there. They want to bring it out into the district, and they don't think that what are what are the what is the learner what is the learner going to take from this. Um, and then the other side of it, I think, is is the adoption and readiness side of any initiative. And if you think about what is, why am I doing PD? What am I, you know, what are the, what are the, the purpose of this? That is often kind of an afterthought. And so you don't have this holistic story as to why am I doing this? It's just like come and get it. And there's not this thought of like carrying it out to, to the community, engaging the community, making sure that they are aware of, of the training, why they're there. Um, in short, I think, I think it's, and there's a real theme going on right now in education about learner-centric. And I think most PD is, is teacher-centric or district-centric. And I think right. that's the fundamental reason why it, it's, it's hard to deliver good PD. That's exactly right. And we've been hearing a lot about this term, initiative overload. And so what is initiative overload and why is it something educators should be paying attention to? Well, it's... If you're if you're an initiative overload is is where you're just you feel like you're getting bombarded with new things every single day. Yes. And an organization can only consume so much change. A district can only consume so much change. And I've heard many many stories of that first day back at school where you get the fire hose of initiatives and mm-hmm. it's three or four initiatives and this year we're doing this and this year we're doing that. We're completely changing something here. Oh, and by the way, you're going to have to update these forms that you're going to be doing, new expenses, all that, all that sort of stuff. Totally. And you just came back from your from your summer off, and I put that in quotes because I don't know of any teachers that really take the whole summer off. I didn't stop. So, <laughs> so it's you know, and so now all of a sudden, and oh, and then you have to teach. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You have to get your kids ready. You have to get your classroom ready. You have to do all the stuff that you would normally be doing. But now there's these other, you know, these three or four other things. Yes. And there's that's that's where you get people, right? Teachers are people. We forget that often, especially outside of education. Um, they're people that have jobs. They have kids. They have families. They have uh, interests. They have hobbies, and. Now we're now we're bombarding them with stuff that's going to interrupt that, and so you have to be really sensitive to how much change your district can can take on, mm-hmm. and I think that that's really uh, incumbent on leaders within the district to be very very aware of that. I think that's their job, and that's I would I would throw you know teachers on special assignment. I would say directors of PD, certainly assistant superintendents, superintendents, those folks that really have to be sensitive to that. 
because in the end you want to be successful with these things right you want to you want to change your district but you have to if you overwhelm them then you're not, then you're going to just end up with a lot of failure so speaking of awareness Damon and uh, administrators and being sensitive to PD and and overload uh, one of the most relevant parts of this article for me was when you spoke about administrators who insist on continuing PD initiatives, insist on doing all of this uh, PD, even though they know that there's no buy-in and they know that it's not effective. Uh, why is it? Why is this happening? Why do they insist on continuing to pound educators with this stuff when they know it's not working? Well, I don't want to come off as having the solution here, so I'll <laughs> give you my kind of take on it, but it's, and I'd be interested in, in your perspective on this as yeah. well. But I think there's, there's a couple of reasons. And one it's it's often just innocence, right? They're, they're, they're super excited about whatever their initiative is. And, and when you're kind of that early adopter, that go getter, you kind of want everyone to have this new thing. And it could be technology or it could be a new way of teaching or, or whatever it is. And so you're like, why isn't everyone so excited? Like I'm excited. And we forget, we forget that, that you have teachers and people have limited amount of time and, and, and it is a job and they still have all these other things that they want to do with their, you know, with their day that, you know, they're, they've got spouses, they've got kids, they've got whatever, get the kids to soccer practice, all that sort of stuff. And they're not necessarily as super excited as, as, as you might be. Yes. Um, you know, and that's and that's just there's just different people, and you're you're taking it from a person to a whole district. So you have to be aware that you have a very diverse uh, set of people that that are going to be consuming this. I think another one is administrators, in particular, are, are really under a lot of pressure. That's right? true. We got to have the students got to be reaching objectives. We got to have you know all this testing, all this yes, stuff that's that's, that's hitting there, and they they might not know, right? They, or not that they don't know, but they, they are under this pressure. And so they've got to be seen as doing something. There's got to be this movement. There's all this pressure on them, just like there is with, with teachers, right? There's all this pressure on teachers that you've got to make sure your kids are at certain levels, by certain dates, by certain times, you know, all this other sort of stuff that's going on. And I think there's a lot of critique of this kind of mindset out there. But the administrators are under the same pressure, so they're and they're going to push on that just like just like everyone's going to push on the teachers and it's really it's really unfortunate but i think it's it's kind of a combination of people that are super excited about something and then people that have maybe a mandate or a strategy that they have to that they have to execute on within the district and there's just a tremendous amount of pressure within education i don't know what do you what do you guys think I was also thinking about, and this kind of leads to something else that you do at Aludo, um, that a lot of times our ad- admin isn't really selling the ideas first and making sure that you have buy-in from your, uh, your staff. And so like so many other things, it's important to go in and sell the idea and make sure that people get excited about it, have some drive behind it before you just say, this is what we're going to be doing. Is it, that's something that you guys do too, right, at Aludo? Oh, for sure, and and I think that's that's you know that's absolutely a piece of it is 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 you have to understand the value that you're bringing before you start to have these initiatives. So if you're in your office and you're just designing this thing and you're going to go, oh, this is great. I read it on you know whatever blog or whatever we're going to be doing this, and I don't want to trivialize you know all the administrators out there that put in so much work and thought uh-huh. into these things, but. 
sometimes we forget that what you need to do is just go and listen to the people that you're going to be selling this to. In this case, it's teachers. Go and talk to them and see and get their feedback on just what's missing. And if you think that this particular, you know, you're going to go, hey, we're all going this year, we're we're forgetting teacher-centric approach. We're going completely learner-centric. That's a big shift. And if you don't go and start, you know, engaging your those people that are going to be delivering that change and that shift, and you've got teachers that have been teaching for 30 years, and you've got teachers that have been teaching for one year, right. well, your one-year teachers are going to be, oh, yeah, that's fine. I've been hearing nothing but learner-centric. It's true. But you've got a bunch of people that maybe they haven't been there. They're still great teachers. They just, they're just not there yet. And if you suddenly just throw this initiative in front of them and say, hey, I'm gonna, we're going to do this, you need to get out there and you need to engage them and you need to understand what's the best way to deliver that that change to them and it starts with it starts with listening to them i was just about to say it's such a reminder of how important it is to just understand where all of your staff are at in terms of um their job and the, you know how long they've been teaching and like everyone's different and their needs are going to be different and their 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 wants in terms of wanting to learn new things and um you know i i didn't try when i was doing a lot of introducing new tech tools and stuff like that one of the ways that i was always trying to frame it is th- how is this going to make your job easier because i think most point. teachers can get on board with having their job be made just a little bit easier um and, and so it makes it easy to sell that right because this is this pd is sales in some way you have to put you have to sell you have to market what you're pushing right what you're trying to introduce and so you have to for lack in sales i used to use the term you got to raise someone's flagpole and everyone's in terms of like the the flag going up the flagpole you got to figure out what gets people's flags up the flagpole and everyone's different and and so you got to understand where everyone is at and and what they need and what they want and everyone's different it's it's just an amazingly complex thing that you can't just throw out you know a worksheet or throw out a you know this this powerpoint or slideshow and say here this is what we're doing now you know what i mean oh absolutely i and i you've really hit on something there that is super important which is you have to deliver value to to the to the person um, and I've, I've, we've come across some districts where they are they're they're not healthy. I'll just put it that way. They're, they've got they've had yeah. they've had initiative overload. They've had turnover of, of of staff. You know, especially high high level staff. A lot of turnover in the district, and the district's in 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 kind of a little bit of trouble. And the teachers are a little bit cynical, right? They're yeah, here comes here comes Damon with his great new initiative, just like. And in six months, Damon's going to have another great new initiative kind of thing. Yes. And you have to think about how can I deliver value to that to that teacher to that person right away. And what we have advocated, what I've advocated is is within your PD, is there something that you can just give? You've got to give. Is there something you can give that isn't based on your initiative, isn't based on anything else, but that's going to help the teacher immediately? And in the case of, in the case of a Ludo, it's, you know, and it's certainly not limited to a Ludo, but we do things like, is there something that would help the teacher immediately that isn't necessarily based on training? So maybe it's, 
how to properly fill out your expense report or so it doesn't get kicked back to you, right? Yes. And will that give the teacher back five minutes that is just purely, it's not going to advance the district through, it's not going to make, you know, students get higher test scores or anything like that, but is there something that you can give back to them? And depending on the, 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 the maturity of, of the district, you might have to do that as, as your PD for a lot of it. You might have to do things that are just going to really help that teacher. And what that will do um, is build trust. And they'll start to feel like, oh, hey, this is actually, they're actually listening to me and they're actually helping me with my job. They're actually helping me get better with my job and they're giving me, you know, five minutes back, 10 minutes back. You give somebody five minutes back a week in their, through their training, then they start to get, you know, 15, 20 minutes. They can start to catch a breath. You build up trust. And then now, now they become a little bit open to, okay, well, now I'm going to try this this new learner-centric approach that, that Damon's advocating, and we'll give, it, we'll give it a try, right? And they become yeah. open to it. So, Damon, if someone is interested, they're listening out there, they're interested in learning more about Aludo or and also like the, uh, an idea about the cost of, uh, of being able to do something like this, can you tell us more about that? Sure. Well, they can come to, you know, the first place is come to www.aludolearning.com. Okay. And they can sign up for a free demo. They can go in, check out the platform, nice. see how it's if it's going to be a good fit for them or not. Um, is a great place. Um, Aludo, our pricing starts at, at twenty dollars per learner uh, per year for for a district for adult learners. We have uh, lower prices for uh, student learners, and uh, we have discounts for. Um, longer term and, and more users and that sort of thing. So it's quite a cost-effective approach to deliver uh, training um, for, for your teachers within a district, across the whole district. That is awesome. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today. And then I, we're going to make sure we provide the links to both the Aludo site and then, uh, anything else that we've mentioned so far. Uh, thanks a lot for, ha- for being here today. Well, thank you very much, guys, and, and have, a great, have a great day. Thanks, Damon. On Education is an on-podcast media production. My name is Mike Washburn. My co-host is Glenn Irvin. You can get in touch with us or ask us questions to answer on air by visiting our website, oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Glenn is at Irv Spanish on Twitter. I can be found on Twitter at Mr. Washburn. Our sound engineer is Jake Codeweiss. He's on Twitter at JK Radio. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be honored if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Schoology, for supporting us. Check out Schoology.com to learn how they can help you advance what's possible. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome. See you soon.